Hey, everybody, we got a big treat. Today we have a private interview with Carmine Gallo, and he talks about his books. And one of the books, uh, Storyteller Secrets, we featured in episode five in the very beginning about storytelling. But Carmine also wrote The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. He wrote Talk Like Ted, the New York Times bestseller. And we just talked to him about an episode we're launching about five stars, the communication secrets to get from good to great. And I actually met Carmine in the fall. I hired him to help me with my TED Talk, and he gave me incredible guidance and insight on how to get a simple message in an organized format into a clear presentation to do it in 18 minutes or less in the TED format. I hope you enjoy this. This is a really special episode. He shares some particular secrets about... COVID-19 and how communication, both in person and online and virtually, is more important than ever in some tips that I think you'll enjoy. Take care. All right. So um, we've read, like I said, Storyteller Secrets are on five stars now, and we're actually going to do five stars next week. We're really excited about that because this will be the first time we roll out the book with uh, the, the author interview. Um, normally, they're not done at the same time, so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, but we were just wondering, like chronologically, I think a cool thing would be like for, for your, from your perspective as an author, as someone that's continuing to tell stories and inspire others to do the same, like your transition from Storyteller Secrets to Five Stars. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, actually, it started, if you don't mind, I'll go back just a, a little further. One of my first books on communication skills that did really well about 10 years ago was called The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. Now, at that time, I didn't... I had not started using the word storytelling, but it was only years later that I realized that people like Steve Jobs were incredible storytellers. In fact, I, I still believe to this day that Steve Jobs is the greatest corporate storyteller of our time. Uh, and that's essentially what they were doing. So then I wrote a book later on the TED Talks, and I only devoted one chapter to storytelling. Because I obviously I did notice, and it's something that the TED uh, the TED folks coach to is that it's really important to tell stories to connect with your audience. But I still only devoted about one chapter to storytelling. It was more focused on how to give a presentation. Then I wrote the book that you guys have already read, and that's the Storyteller Secret, because I was really immersed in this whole concept of storytelling, especially storytelling in business, and I thought that there was so much more that we could talk about that people don't really understand about storytelling and how it applies to presentations in business. And so from there, I, I began to realize that not only was there more of a market for communication, storytelling content, but the market for me had shifted a little bit. Most of the people who I've worked with and most of the uh, executives and business professionals who I've heard from are way beyond basic public speaking 101. Mm -hmm. And I realized that they're already really good at what they do, uh, or they've achieved a certain level of competence and success in their careers. So I wrote the five stars because the whole theme of it is you're good at what you do, uh, but 
even being above average isn't quite good enough these days. Uh, being average will guarantee below average results, especially in this hyper-competitive economy. And I, and I started to notice, I uh, got a lot of emails and a lot of LinkedIn requests from people and had a lot of conversations with, uh, with business professionals in a lot of fields. And I realized that those who can communicate a little better than everyone else, and I'm not saying significantly better, just a little better than everyone else, tended to get promoted faster than their peers. Uh, they tended to get the investment dollars that they needed. They tended to get the jobs. You know, when they went into a job interview, some people would email me and they would say, Carmine, I, uh, on paper, I should never have gotten this job because there were people who were more qualified than me, but I was a little better speaker, a better communicator. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, that led me to this whole concept of five stars. It's, it's important to be a little better than average, especially in this, in this one skill that all of us can build and be better at what we do. That's great. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the things I've read about with you and you and I, you and I met because I hired you after I read talk like Ted, I actually, I, this is one of the few times I, I sent an email and someone actually sent me an email back. So, so uh, you communicated and we did a one day, we did a one day, um, debriefing on, on my Ted talk. And until I got there, it was, it was longer. I couldn't get it under 25 or 30 minutes sometimes. And I had to be under 18 minutes. And, you know, you talked about the importance and again, it's in five stars, the importance of brevity and readability. I think you call it in your thing sure. um, in, in five stars and talk about, because we have Eddie's a TED speaker. I'm a TED speaker. A lot of our audience are, are aspire to be TED speakers about the, the two concepts, the concepts of persuading someone around your idea and, and then how to do that in a, in a readable, easily understandable model. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I really enjoyed working and meeting you, Terrence. And uh, not everyone has a great story to tell and your TED talk, your TEDx was just fantastic. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, it was uh, really good. <laughs> Everything from the story uh, that was gripping and had, you know, ups and downs and ebbs and flows and tension uh, to the photos and the images that you used and, and some of the, uh, what I call the multi-sensory experiences. You used uh, dominoes as a, as a metaphor. Uh, it was just always so well done. The delivery, the body language, uh, before I get into your questions, let me ask you a question. Did you rehearse that presentation quite a bit? Because it was just, it looked natural, mm -hmm. but it just flowed beautifully. You must have practiced or rehearsed it quite a bit. Oh, I, yeah, a lot. I think I maybe 50 to 100 times. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Know, we, yeah, we scripted it yeah. and memorized it. And and then there was a, there was a tele, I wasn't sure there's going to be a teleprompter. There was, there was, there was actually the slides were in front of me, which made it a little bit easier, but it was, you know, it's an intimidating venue because you, you know, that's going to be on TV forever. You know, so one thing's off, you're off forever. <laughs> you yeah. It, edit it, but. That, that is a lot of pressure, but yeah. I think most people 
underestimate the the value of practice and rehearsing your presentations, whether it's a TED Talk or any mission critical presentation that you have to give in business. Most people wing it uh, or they just kind of glance at their slides a few minutes ahead of time. But they don't practice it, uh, you know, like getting up in front of people or standing up and giving your presentation, delivering it from start to finish. And I'm, I'm shocked, surprised uh, that 50 to 100 times because it did not come off as a presentation that was overly rehearsed. It was natural. And so, and so I think that reminds me that it's almost impossible to practice too much. Yeah, I think it's, I think you're right. I mean, the if you know, I became comfortable when you get stuck, you you can fall back to what you what you've heard in your head. So it almost it almost plays in your head. But what was really really interesting was I had it. What what I had was five. I think it was five points by the time I got to you. At one time it was twelve. So it was twelve ways to recreate yourself, and we got. <laughs> I was at five, and he he cut away two super important parts of the story, like it was nothing. Uh, to yeah. make the story simple, and you know that was a that was a big deal. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the ways we were talking about brevity. Yep. Um, can you guys still hear me? Yep. Oh yeah. Okay, great. great. We were talking about brevity. Uh, one of the the ways that I look at giving presentations in a way that will. Uh, keep it brief and concise, but still thorough. And this is something that TED coaches also, also teach. So this applies to TED or your business presentations is one, it's very important to come up with that central theme. Uh, I call it a log line. Ted calls it a through line. In one of my first books, I called it a Twitter friendly headline. But the point is, what is the one thing, the one major theme that you want to get across in any presentation? That's the hardest thing to come up with, quite frankly. Uh, that takes a long time to figure out. How do you, what is the one key message that you want to get across? Uh, and, and, and why? How is that going to affect you? that's where a lot of the uh, the practice the exercises come into play but after that you need to support your theme you need to support the one argument that you're going to make in a business presentation it can be something as as um, uh, if you adopt if you adopt this model or if we adopt this initiative uh, we'll raise our revenue by 10 percent in a year okay that's like the one key message Right. Now you have to support it. Don't give me 18 ways to support your message. Give me three. Yeah. Hire me because I can do these three things for your company. Or support my idea because they're going to approve our department or our company in three ways. The human mind is only capable of keeping about three things in short-term memory. So if you give me a list of eight, I'll remember, I'll forget everything. Right. Three. But you'll find that if you just stick to this rule of three, which is which is quite powerful, if you stick to the rule of three, it's almost impossible to, to make it too long anyway. It, it, it's sort of a built-in formula to keep things brief and concise. Speaking of, of three, so the we were talking earlier about the, uh, the, the three traits that make a good team. And so, oh, right. yeah. yeah, one of the things we were discussing is, you know, based on your experience at Google or, or wherever, um, do you notice that that's something 
that obviously when you, you know, the hiring process, I'm sure that's a very important piece, but is that something that teams evolve into? Yeah. You're talking about the uh, uh, project Aristotle at Google. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, I, I did study project Aristotle and uh, talked to some people at Google and they found that who is on a team matters less than how they interact with each other. Um, and, and this is Google. I mean, these guys are obviously super focused on data. They studied 180 teams, some of the more effective teams, the less effective teams. How do they get along? And they found that there were those three factors that you talked about. So one was psychological safety, just as a reminder for, your, for our listeners. Yeah. One was psychological safety. Uh, the leader in the group was capable of giving people the space and the, and the confidence and the safety to speak up, to voice their opinions. So that was called psychological safety. The second uh, trait of, of good leaders and good teams is clarity. Again, that starts from the leader and that starts from the way they communicate their objective, how clear and understandable are they? And the third was uh, that everybody on the team had a very clear focus on how impactful their work was and what impact their individual contribution made to the bigger picture. So it was really fascinating, but everything about that project, guys, comes back to the leader, the manager of that particular team. And that's why, once again, the reason why I put it in five stars is because it focuses on communication. It's not so much who's on the team, it's how the leader communicates with the team that matters the most. Which is why I come back to the, the central theme, really, of five stars and most of my books that I write. Uh, this public speaking communication skills is a skill that you can build. Any of us can build it. We can become much, much better at it. But it is a foundational or a fundamental skill that will set you apart in your career and in your professional environment. Okay. Because I, in retrospect, when you asked about audience and I said books is the common tie, that's true. Our podcast yeah. is called Books to Business. And I forgot mm -hmm. that's not implied. <laughs> so so a, a, lot of, a lot of our uh, uh, listeners are, are, you know, in the business world, creating their own business, uh, businesses, yeah. et cetera. And so, yeah, they'll be listening to this and thinking, well, gee, how can I make this happen with my teams? You know, um, So that's a powerful uh, context for them. One of, the, one of the biggest statistics I've ever read that you've written is the first time I've ever heard that persuasion registers. There was an economist, I think his name was Schiller. Oh, yeah. That might be his name. But he, he said that persuasion, communicating, right? is what, 30% of our GDP depends upon that? Oh, yes. No, uh, that was, okay. For, I <laughs> Terrence, I'm going in a lot of different directions here, but that's okay. I love it. We're taking you all uh, over the place. Oh, we read all your books, man. <laughs> no, because no, uh, Robert Schiller, we've got to talk about. So, but before then, let's talk about Deidre McCloskey. So Deidre McCloskey is at the University of uh, Illinois, Chicago, and she has written some pretty dense books. I love her to death. She's great. The books are like, you know, I mean, they're like a thousand pages. Uh, really thick economics books, but they're fascinating. And her whole point in one of one of her many books was that persuade. This actually got me in thinking about five.
chapter in five stars was derived from some of the work that Deidre McCloskey said. So let me just back up real quick. Uh, yes, persuasion is 30% of the American economy. In some roles like marketing or, or public relations, it's 100% of your job mm-hmm. or, or almost 100%. But within the, the whole economy, and she did some fascinating studies that are just way too deep for us to get into, but she, she found that persuasion is a big part of commerce, you know, one person persuading another person to take action, whether it's in sales or marketing, what have you. Here's what's interesting about that whole thing. Why is that important to us today? And this is what I go into in, in five stars mm-hmm. is in the agricultural age, guys, and which is most of human history. Uh, one person can only get so much richer than their neighbor. Because you can only plow a field so fast. During the industrial age, most people started transferring to the factories. Well, you can only assemble a widget faster than the person next to you. But in the knowledge economy, your value is tied up in your ideas. Your ability to sell another person or to persuade another person that your idea matters to take action on your idea. So that's why I'd said that in the 21st century knowledge economy, your ideas count more than ever. And if you can't persuade another person about your ideas, well, then you're going to fall behind. Now, a number of different economists and business people have said something very similar. So let's look at Warren Buffett, for example. You know, Warren Buffett says, hey, in the, in the ag age, I never, he never would have been that successful because he just wasn't that physically strong. Mm. Uh, but because we're in this age where uh, numbers and data count, he was able to increase his wealth substantially. But even he has said that he had to become a much better public speaker in order to be successful. So when Warren Buffett is asked, and he's been asked this several times publicly, what is the most important skill you can build? He says, without, without hesitation, he says public speaking, because it's the one skill that will raise your value by 50% instantly. And so I think that's very powerful. But yeah, Deidre McCloskey was the one who kind of looked at the whole scope of our economy and said persuasion is more important today than it certainly it was in the in in the past, but even more than 20 years ago. Your ability to persuade another person to take action on your idea is a growing segment of the economy. So we better get really good at building that skill for ourselves. You know, the, it, now we got a we got a question from one of our listeners that is a fan of yours as well about how does that persuasion now translate into this disruption that we currently find ourselves in, where we are communicating over a video camera, and you know you're mm-hmm. losing that the feeling that you're close to somebody, and you know the eye contact may not even be there. So, yeah, well, how does that change the game in your mind? And this is well. <laughs> Okay, Terrence, you know what? I, I'm not sure if it is going to change, change the game in a substantial way because we're doing this because we're forced to, uh, you know, for, for the foreseeable future. Uh, we hope it's sooner than later that we can get out of our houses and offices again. Uh, but if anything, doesn't this 
show us the power of being in person and face to face and having those connections with one another. Uh, I understand that we're probably going to be doing more webinars and Zoom meetings uh, because people don't necessarily want to travel as much. And I, I get that. But if anything, this has reinforced the need for human connection. And if you need to be able to connect with people on a deep emotional level, if you want to influence, this is all about influence and persuasion, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and just because we're having a conversation over, over zoom doesn't mean that some of the basics of communication that I, that I've written about are suddenly thrown out the window. Mm. You know, we still have to keep things brief. We still have to be concise and understandable. So I'm not sure how much it's changed, if, uh, but it, it certainly reinforces how important that human connection is, which is why in all my books I write about human connection. You know, we kind of forget that. It's all about the data, and it's all about the, uh, our PowerPoint slides and the information and the facts and the figures and the bullet points. In business, we forget that we're emotional creatures. We're, we're an emotional species. We're wired for stories, for example. We have to connect with one another. Uh, those people who have high EQ and can understand how to make those connections are typically those who are more successful. I think we all know that. Speaking of emotional response. So when I was, I was reading uh, five stars, my first thought was, you know, as we're talking about the, you know, persuasion and communication and the important, you know, John F. Kennedy, his ability yeah. to articulate an idea. And my thought was like, and I don't know why it went there. I don't know why it defaulted, but it's like, it made me wonder if the, if, if the people with the right ideas align with the people that are, are most, um, that are best at storytelling and are best at articulating those ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're talking well, not always. Is it? <laughs> I well, think right, that's uh, the short answer. Right. Yeah, not always. You know, I, uh, Terrence might know this because he and I have talked in the past, but uh, one of the reasons why I started writing books a long time ago, uh, more than 10 years ago, I was in journalism for a number of years. I was a television anchor. I was on CNN for a while in New York. I covered business news. I would say in television news for about 15 years, first part of my career. And when I started working in on, in Wall Street, on Wall Street and, and covering business news, I noticed something really interesting and it kind of gets uh, to what you were talking about. And, and that is the people who the, the media go to as uh, talking heads, political pundits, experts, whatever it may be, uh, this, those people that we go to, the guests who are on week after week, they're not necessarily the most expert in a particular topic. They just had an ability, they, but they have a great ability to communicate that topic in a way that you understand. And so we would go, I was on Wall Street and we had a Rolodex. This was back when we actually had physical Rolodexes. And I remember we had a Rolodex and it was always the same people. There's like 300,000 people who work on Wall Street and we always went to the same 10. <laughs> well, what was that about? And some of those 10 that I interviewed back then, maybe 15 years now, they have their own shows now. Are they the, the, the top experts in a particular field? I don't know, maybe, but maybe not. They were really good at explaining themselves. Though. 
really help you understand the topic. Right. Yeah. yeah. I find that super interesting. It's like yeah. you, you, you just want this book to be in the hands of the right folks, you know, <laughs> lift them, lift them up. That's right. And, and Hey, that's where the magic occurs. And, and that's why I told Terrence earlier, I said, look, you have a great, you have a powerful story to tell. Not everyone has a story. Uh, and I, I've worked away with, you know, different companies and different uh, executives. Some people simply have a better story more compelling products and they don't tell that story in a good way. And then people with less compelling services or products are really good at getting people excited about those products. So if you can put those two together where you've got a great idea, a great company, and you're a very good communicator, that's, that's where the magic happens. Um, that doesn't happen very often, but you know, Terrence, may I bring up something real quick? You mentioned, you mentioned, uh, Robert Schiller, an economist. Right. Yeah. I, okay. So here's a guy, maybe a lot of our listeners don't know him, but you probably, uh, like PE ratios in the stock market. A lot of the financial folks follow PE ratios to evaluate stocks. But one of the, the big ratios is the Schiller index. Um, so he's a very prominent Nobel Prize winning economist. His name is Robert Schiller. Well, I've had a couple of conversations with him and uh, one pretty recently. His whole, his whole stick, his whole theme is, is that narratives drive human behavior. Stories are what drive us. So he thinks that most of what we do, whether we're panicking, like a lot of people are panicking right now about the economy, we panic about the stock market, um, we get too euphoric during the bull market. You know, sometimes people get too euphoric, sometimes they panic too much. Mm -hmm. He says the Great Depression should never have become the Great Depression. If you just look at the foundation, it wasn't that bad. But what happened is people start sharing stories and it influences consumer behavior, which made it worse. His whole point, and this is really important just for an individual who wants to be successful, is that you got to be really careful about the stories you buy into. Because it's the stories that drive not only our behavior on an aggregate level, which concerns the economists, but on an individual level as well. The stories that you hear from other people influence the, the decisions that you make. Um, and so we got to be really careful. Make sure that you are listening and acting on, on empowering stories and not negative stories. Hmm. Right, one final question. Uh, who is yeah. the most compelling person you interviewed over the years? Without question, uh, Richard Branson. Oh. Without, I, I've interviewed him. Yeah, I've interviewed him three times yeah. and talk about the real deal. You know, he, here's a guy who is worth five billion plus dollars and he doesn't have an entourage. When I've interviewed him, doesn't have an entourage, isn't surrounded by, by yes people, uh, doesn't, uh, can, will talk about anything. So, so he doesn't, prepare you know, he doesn't have to prepare for a particular interview because it's it's he's an open book 
And I can talk to him about a book that he had just written, or I can talk about something else. And he's very, very open and honest and transparent and is really into storytelling. And that's one of the reasons why I I enjoy talking to Richard Branson so much, Mm -hmm. because he understands the power of narrative and story and communication uh, and public speaking. And he's very open. And here's something that was really transformative for me is Richard Branson. A lot of people don't know this. You know, he's dyslexic, got kicked out of uh, you know, high school um, or the equivalent of high school in, in England when he was growing up. People didn't understand dyslexia. He had a very, very hard time in school. Um, and he's very open about talking about his, his struggles uh, with, with that particular uh, situation and very open about talking about his failures and the challenges that he's had in life. And so there's almost like he makes this personal connection with, with people by being open and honest and transparent and, and authentic. And he said he was terrified of public speaking. He was paralyzed of public speaking. I mean, he, I think he used the word terrified. Uh, and yet it's a skill that he was able to build and get better at uh, because he realized that public speaking was going to be such, was going to play such an important role in his success. So he, he taught me a lot, but I am also telling your listeners that he is the real deal. He is the most authentic uh, billionaire you could, you could picture. That's good. Yeah. Well, appreciate your time and uh, I hope you're safe out there in California. And we are. Yeah, we, we are. You can tell I'm, I'm shelter in place or, or stay at home is what they call it. Right, stay right. home. <laughs> How do people get a hold of your, your materials if they want to? You know, Terrence, if they can remember a good Italian name like Carmine Gallo, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they can find me. Uh, go to my website, which is just CarmineGallo.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter and you can read uh, and you can connect with me on social media or get more information on my books. Fantastic. All right. So we go communication secrets to get from good to great five stars with Carmine Gallo. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Come on. Thanks a lot, Carmine. Hey, Carmine. That was awesome. Thanks. Terrific. Hey, that was great guys. Thanks a lot. I hope it worked out for you. You bet. We'll send you a copy of everything, all the links. Okay. Your audio on my side went in and out. Did my audio sound okay? Yeah, it was oh, pretty good. Perfect. It was yeah. pretty good, actually. Yeah, I think okay. you might have an unstable internet because everybody in the world's on the internet today. Yeah, hey, okay. We're, we're, as we're long hardwired as it, in. Okay, as long as it uh, sounded good for you, for you guys. Thanks a lot. And thanks awesome. for talking great, about my great books. Book. Thanks. Oh, okay, Terrence. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Be good. Bye. Bye.